0: The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC.
1: They'll know you've arrived when you drive up in the 1958 Edsel, the car that's truly new from nameplate to taillights.
0: Connie! Hi, Mr. Wilson.
2: Oh, hello, Dennis. <laughs> and
1: now your host, Walt Disney.
2: Welcome to that tip top terrific and splendidly prolific waltz down memory lane, the Mid Modcast. And here are your Mid Modcasters, Craig, Paula, and Dave. Hey, thank you, Alan Marsh, for that lovely introduction. So good to be with you. Thanks for joining us for the Mid Modcast today. I'm Craig. Who are you, people?
0: I am Paula.
2: And I'm Dave. Dave! <laughs> I love the way that Alan does that. Yeah. Today, we're talking about some really, really special times from our childhoods. Yes. Childhoods? Yeah, I guess that's right. Childhoods. It sounds like that's not right, but it is. Yeah. (laughs) As Christmas draws near, we're talking about all those Christmas specials from when we were kids. The Rankin Bass and the Charlie Browns and all sorts of good stuff. So sit tight and join us as we take a little trip down memory lane. Paula, if people wanted to find us on the internet, what would they do? Where would they go?
0: You could go to Facebook at The Mid Modcast. You could go to Twitter, um, The Mid Modcast. You can find us on Instagram at The Mid Modcast. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you with your great stories, your nostalgia, all that good stuff at 216-216. 309-2204. 216-309-2204 three zero nine two two zero four two one six three zero nine two two oh four and give us a memory or two
2: you can email us at midmodcast at gmail.com yeah and find us did you say the website midmodcast no i com. did not
0: i always forget something midmodcast.com
2: yeah. so please do and uh, send us radio. or uh Program ideas also. Yes. Radio Thoughts, I was going to say. And subscribe, what and that is.
0: Give us stars and give us good reviews and all that good stuff. Yeah. If you want to. Please do. No pressure.
2: Please do. Hey, Dave, are you watching or, or reading or listening to anything that's particularly mid century these days?
1: Well, you know, some close friends, uh, some close friends of ours, uh, lent us four of the james bond novels now i, I know you're listening to some james bond novels yes. but i um I'm, I'm about to wrap up a a, a job and w- once i have a little more free time um i'm gonna crack open casino royale and mm. start from number one and see where that takes me so um i mean uh I, I only have four of them so yeah i'm looking forward to that what what are you working on now
2: well, I've been doing the James Bond novels also, but I've been listening to them on Libby, which is through the library. And, right. Um,
0: no, it's not the library.
2: The library. Excuse yes, me. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been really enjoying those. I think I'm on the fourth one now or something. Did I, I, did I'm not sure that I'm reading them earlier. in order, though.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're uh, you're working on The Spy Who Shagged Me. I mean, The Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> uh, is it, is it,
2: no, it's uh, for for your eyes only. I think. Oh, for your eyes yeah. only. Your okay. eyes only.
0: That's what I'm Anybody <laughs> out there um, been watching the Queen's Gambit?
2: Yeah, yes. on what Netflix. What oh, it that is, is. we if love you, it.
0: If you haven't, put this podcast down right now. No, unless you're in the car, as
2: soon as you're done, put it down. <laughs> with, with this, no, no, you can
0: pause.
2: You're fired. I'll <laughs>
1: <Yeah.
0: laughs> accept a pay paid grade
1: <laughs> well you know what you know what's kind of sad is it's it's a limited series so um i guess i've figured out from watching all seven episodes that it it wraps up before before it ends so there's no cliffhanger or anything you know telling us how beth ends up in her older years so I don't know if they're going to do a second season but wouldn't it be cool? I don't it, know where they could
2: go with it but it's
0: self-contained it would be, but you know.
2: It would be cool because the the architecture in particular is oh, amazing. Yeah. And the
0: clothes that Beth wears. She's a clothes horse, and they're oh, amazing, yeah. too.
2: Yeah, she's beautiful in those clothes. Should, yes. those Should we clothes. fill in
1: the blanks for our listeners who no. don't know the Queen's No, Queen they have to figure no. it out on their no. own. No, okay.
2: Oh, it <laughs> is, no, go, go ahead.
0: It, it is based on a book. It is based right. on a, a book. And so, I'm. I, you know, my next thing is to read the book. And then I oh, can, yeah. you know, maybe see if how similar or different it is. And it's about this girl who grows up in an orphanage and becomes a champion chess player by practicing with the janitor in the basement when she's a little kid. So it's about her life as this, and she's a genius. And that's too. not
2: code. Is it practicing with the janitor in the basement? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, good. You Weirdo. Good. Just making sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh that's my not code. No, hmm.
0: she's, she's learning how to play chess very seriously. Yes. yes. And,
1: and she-, and she picks it up really, really quickly. And, Runs with it. I mean
0: Yes. Yeah. She's kind prodigy, of a savant.
1: Prodigy material, exactly. Yes. Now
2: that doesn't sound very mid modrific or anything, <laughs> the way that you described it, a little orphan girl who learns to play chess and becomes a champion. Well, we don't want to give too much away.
0: And it takes place in the nineteen sixties.
2: There you go. Now <laughs> we're one sixty two. There we go. The the when locations they- are <laughs> Amazing! Oh yeah, man. A lot of them are in Germany, which is interesting. I don't know if you looked it up, Dave, but uh, I was spending a little time like, where is
0: that? The place? Las Vegas you know? hotel was actually filmed in Berlin. Right.
2: Oh, right. really? Yes. And oh, wow. and if you go online, you can see what it looks like, not made up for the set, and what it looks like made up. And whoever oh, cool. is doing the set design and everything, amazing. I mean, just yeah, yeah, man, just stellar. Uh, and you know, this is has nothing to do with the plot, but the. The bedrooms at the hotel in Las Vegas <laughs> yes. with the divider with the dice and everything. <laughs> I want that. I yeah. totally and are, right. And right. like, the Paris scenes. So
0: cool. They really spent some dime on this. Oh yeah, they,
2: they did. It's they did. Uh,
0: locations are are really fantastic. They are,
2: and and like I said, the set design's amazing. Paula mentioned the clothing that the, the uh, costumes are. Uh, fantastic, and uh, there, there's just a lot to be said for this. And the storyline
0: is beautiful too. It's it just really weird. is.
2: And yeah. you, you know, Dave, what I really like is, of course, it revolves around the world of chess, so everyone's a nerd. But the guys are genuinely nice guys, and oh, right. you, you just don't get yeah. that very much, you know. Right, and, right. And, They're good and to shows her. these days. There, there are too few redeeming characters. Like we talked about, Mad Men. There's mm-hmm. just no redeeming characters in the whole thing, you know. And but in in this series, there's some genuinely great people, and and it's cool, you know. Especially in the chess competitions, and people who are who are, right. you know, it's like I must destroy you, and then you, you lose to this person, and you shake hands and you say, "Wow, that was amazing. You're 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 a gifted person," you know, that sort of thing. It's just too little of this in the world, and, and right. uh, the I just ending, really thought that it the was
0: ending cool. of the whole thing is so just that final scene just it brought a little don't, tear don't to my away. eye. Yeah. I,
2: yeah.
0: I'm not saying what it is, no. but don't, it's don't, don't, it's just really well done. It's beautiful. Right.
2: So it it is mid century. It is a feast for the eyes, and it's a great story. It's a
0: feast for the soul, your weary soul. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dave.
2: (laughs) Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Paula, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the magical... treat that you have to share with us today
0: all right the year is the 19 the year is 1964 it is oh. the best year ever because it is we is going
1: to talk about us
0: uh-huh. <laughs> she, <laughs> yes <laughs> two of the greatest came into existence along with the bank and and uh, a
2: lot rankin and back
0: <laughs> oh my goodness
2: <laughs> two so. two of the finest mid-modcasters ever born
0: And Rankin and Bass (laughs) came out with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Join Rudolph in a trip to the island of misfit toys. Meet Yukon Cornelius, the funniest prospector of the North. And
2: Zeus, the bumble-snow monster of the North strikes again.
0: Meet Santa's elves and hear seven original
1: Christmas songs. Burl sings...
0: And the holly jolly Christmas It's the best... Now, last week, I talked about uh, the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and it all started with Montgomery Ward and John May. That was how the story came about. And then his brother-in-law, Johnny Marks, wrote... um, a song called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I'm going to add a little bit to last week's podcast on this podcast. Am I allowed to do that? I'm going to add a little tag that I just found out about good old Johnny Marks. He also wrote, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Silver and Gold, Oops, Sorry, and A Holly Jolly Christmas. All of those. And it's a little known irony, He was Jewish, just like (laughs) we talked about. Once again, (laughs) we got the great Jewish Christmas songwriters of all times on the Mid-Modcast. So anyway, that was my little addendum to last week. And Rudolph is special because it is the very first of the TV specials by Rankin and Bass, but they did have something that came first and that was the series Pinocchio. They had a series Mm. that released from 1960 to 1961, Pinocchio's Adventures. But the thing about uh, Rudolph that makes it so special, it has been telecast every single year since 1964, making it the longest continuing running Christmas special. So it is considered the king. Of the specials, um, now in addition to Rudolph and Dasher and Dancer and all the reindeer, you know we've got Clarice, who's Rudolph's <laughs> love interest, and she tells him that he's cute, and he yells, "I'm cute, cute, cute!" And then we've got a prospector named Yukon Cornelius. We have a, an elf that doesn't want to be an elf; he wants to be a dentist. His name is Hermie. Now don't get confused because in a lot of the products that they made they put his name is Herbie So you'll see his name as Herbie in in the toys and the cars and all that. But his name is Hermey, H-E-R-M-E-Y. And he was an elf who ran away from Santa's workshop because he wanted to be a dentist so bad. We have the uh, abominable snow monster of the north and they pulled all of his teeth out. (laughs) And uh, and it's weird. And he ended up decorating Christmas trees at the end. We've got this winged lion named King Moonracer who brings the toys to the island and of misfit toys until he can find homes and children who will love them. So we have a, a whole slew of, of new characters. And there's some very interesting facts about Rudolph that I kind of wanted to go over. It was actually animated in Japan. And uh, but it was also the voices were done in Canada by, mostly canadian actors except for burl ives he's the well known one it took 18 months to make this special and 22 room size sets to complete more than 200 puppets were carved by hand they had to be re-carved for various um, movements and different expressions And Rudolph was tiny. He was only four inches tall. Hmm. Santa was eight inches, and I believe the abominable snowman was maybe 12 inches. They were tiny. Um, Like I said, it was narrated by Burl Ives as Sam the Snowman. Oh, there's the other character we don't hear about in the song. We got the snowman, Sam the Snowman, who narrates it um but before he narrated it there was another man who narrated named Larry Mann who's the voice of a Yukon Cornelius and he did the narration first and he had a they said that he had a very strong brooklyn accent mm-hmm. but they never aired that that one he never got to be the narrator but i would be I'd pay some good money to hear a Brooklyn accented <laughs> narration for Rudolph. I think it'd be hilarious. And like I said, the dentist is Hermy, not Herbie. Um, the doll. Remember the doll in the Island of the mm-hmm. Misfits toys? When I was a kid, I always just thought she is so cute. What is she doing there? How is she a misfit? They never really said. Um, and it turns out, according to the writers, the doll was depressed.
1: Oh, That's oh she, because she cries, right? She
0: is depressed because yeah. she doesn't have, she was <laughs> rejected or she has no child to love her. Um, and a, the original story, the original um, airing of it, December 6, 1964. Um, by the way, it wasn't called Rankin and Bass. It was called Videocraft Craft international, international. And then the name was changed and it was sponsored by GE. Um, the um, in, in that production in 1964 the misfit toys were not delivered at the end. at the end Santa mm-hmm. goes about on his sleigh he doesn't yeah, go yeah. back to the island he just has a <laughs> bunch of boxes and on the boxes are the credits of all the car- the credits for the show so pe- the fans um, wrote so many disapproving letters that they actually changed it for 1965. Hmm. So in um, 1965, Santa kept his promise. I mean, in the original, Santa doesn't keep his promise. He says he's going to come back and he doesn't. So in 65, they reanimated this new scene and they added this scene where Santa went back to the island of Misfits Toys. And at the very end in the closing credits, while you're watching the credits, it shows Santa and one of the elves delivering the misfit toys. He hands each one of them uh, an umbrella and they, they fly out of the sleigh with their umbrella while the credits go. And because of that little addition, They had to cut one of Yukon's scenes. And and it's a scene where he's discovering the peppermint mine near Santa's workshop. They deleted that scene to make room for the new scene. And it was not restored until 2019. So now you can see that scene. But you had not been able to see the the Yukon Cornelius scene of him licking all the tools because he's tasting peppermint. Until 2019, apparently. Um, the song, We're a Couple of Misfits, um, was changed too. This show keeps evolving. It was replaced with fame and, a song called Fame and Fortune in 1965. And then in 1995, they brought it back in. Then they needed some more time to show commercials, so they cut a big part of We Are Santa's Elves, and they cut the little orchestra scene in that, and they sped up the song a little bit, too, so it's a little livelier and peppier, so they sped up the tempo. And just another little tidbit, most of the puppets in that production went missing shortly after, including Santa and and Rudolph. And they weren't really built to last anyway. They were coated in things that didn't bode well. But um, two uh, were rediscovered in 2006 right on Antiques Roadshow. And there was a woman who was a secretary, and she worked for the production company, and she she, um, stored them in her attic, and she had them stored since 1970s. She let her kids play with them and put them on the Chris around the Christmas tree. And um, if I, I went I went ahead and went to PBS's website and I watched that episode of Antiques Roadshow. And um, they're not they weren't in the best of shape. But I saw a picture of them later and they did restore them and they fetched a nice uh, Penny. So they were, they, these toys had been missing since 1970 when they emerged on Antiques Roadshow um, in 2006. And it gave birth to two more specials, Rudolph's shiny new year in 1976. That's the one with the baby new year. I remember with the big ears and the top hat (laughs) and um, Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July in 1979. And I know I've seen that. Did they air that in July? Or did they air it at Christmas time? I don't know. So anyway, that's kind of our little story and a couple tidbits about one of our favorites. But my actual—should I tell them my tell our listeners my actual favorite? Sure. I always love Santa Claus is coming to town with Fred Astaire driving in his little mail cart. As soon as he went around that that corner, oh, my little heart would soar because I knew I was in for a treat. Rudolph and Frosty came in. A Close second. They'd tie for second. Because your
2: dad was a mailman. <gasps> That's why.
0: I never put that yeah. together.
2: So there you go. And I
0: loved Fred Astaire. You
2: know, it's interesting what you were saying about the end of Rudolph w- with the Isle of the Misfit Toys and all that, and just kind of leaving them hanging because Rankin and ba- Rankin Bass was notorious for having disjointed stories and that sort of thing. So you can see, it was like, oh, yeah, we forgot about them. You know,
0: just yeah, kinda, right. Kind of leave them
2: stranded out there. It's unfortunate, but uh, yeah. Uh, So anyway, as we continue on, I'm talking about the Little Drummer Boy, but also Rankin Bass in general. Uh, Little Drummer Boy was one of those specials that I loved as a kid. It tells the story of a young Jewish boy named Aaron, (laughs) and I I love what Wikipedia says about him. He's a misanthropic orphan. (laughs)
0: Misanthropic,
2: <laughs> yeah, he hates humanity. Oh. Uh, and, and it's true in, in the story, he's like, I don't like people, I hate people, and all
0: that's that. really heavy for a children's special. It, you know, right. the whole
2: thing is yeah. really kind of heavy. Uh, the little boy is given a drum by his father on his birthday, and when he plays a drum, the animals dance, and so he's got a camel. A donkey and a lamb and they follow him around as he plays and they dance. And and what's really creepy is they get up on their back legs and dance. And it's just kind of really bizarre the way that they do it. But anyway, this is what happens. It's magical. And unfortunately, one night some bandits of the desert they come in and they steal the livestock and they kill <laughs> kill Aaron's parents. Before they oh can intervene. Goodness. Now this is this is a children's show. Wow. And see,
0: wow. see, I don't remember see the, that. You remember see the bad this. guy
2: like throw a knife, and, and then <laughs> at, at, uh, Aaron's eyes get all big, and he's like, uh, or I mean, his father's oh, eyes get the, all big, like the
0: killing. They didn't
2: they didn't show like the him knife. getting stabbed with a knife, but it's like he throws a knife, and then all of a sudden, wow. you Zoom in on Aaron's dad's eyes, and he's like, oh no, oh, wow. It, yeah, and then the house is being burnt. And so not only do they kill his parents, but they burn the house and his mom shoves him out the back window before oh, God only knows what happened. The that 60s and 70s. Yeah. Oh, I so miss there's, you. There's no no guarding the little psyches of, of no. our... This is why we're so twisted now. <laughs> wow. So anyway, uh, he, he just wanders through the desert playing his drum with his dancing animals and somehow he manages to live. I don't know how, uh, but... As he's doing this, Ben Haramed's caravan comes along, and Ben Haramid kind of has a—it's uh, like a circus of sorts. And he ends up basically abducting the kid and his animals and forces them to, to perform.
0: Oh, my. <laughs> and
2: as they're out in the desert, Aaron becomes infuriated by the people of a certain town because they're all laughing and having a good time, and he, he's kind of— He's got PTSD. I mean, the poor boy is really messed up. And he's like, how dare you have fun when my parents have been murdered and this sort of thing. He's kind of messed up. So as they go along, all of a sudden they come across this caravan of these magi. And they're following a bright star in the sky. And Ben sees the opportunity because he realizes they have treasures on their camels. And so they perform for these guys. But they're not interested at all. But unfortunately, one of their camels collapses under the weight of all of the treasure. Once again, this is, you know, our little psyches are being oh. scarred. And, oh <laughs> and so Aww. Ben sells off Aaron's camel to the Magi so they can haul all their gold and frankincense and myrrh and all that. And Aaron is just livid because Ben had sold his camel, who's, Aww. you know, not just... He's not just a camel, but he's his friend.
0: And his dancing friend. And
2: his dancing friend at that. Uh, so anyway, he's kind of on a quest to find the camel, and he manages to find the magi and the camel once again. And there it is at the manger with a baby Jesus. And he sees the camel, and they all go running for to be reunited. And what happens a Roman soldier riding a chariot runs over the lamb. <gasps> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh. This is a tragic, tragic show. And oh. all this happens in a half an hour. I don't and, remember this. And so the, yeah, me neither. The no. lamb, he's, Aaron's got him in, and the lamb's dying in his arms. And he <gasps> goes to the Magi. He's like, These guys are smart. They'll know how to fix lamb. the lamb. And, uh, and so, anyway, he goes to, to the Magi. And he says, "I can't do anything for you, but you know, we've given the baby, who is the king, uh, our gifts. And maybe if you gave him a gift, uh, he could help you. And you know, baby Jesus." But he uh, has no gift to bring. This, this is like, yeah, that's right.
0: I know this song. I know the
2: song. <laughs> so this is kind of like the ballad of Ricky Bobby, and some, you know, uh, oh baby Jesus is all about. The oh, baby the baby Jesus.
0: Jesus when he does the prayer.
2: Yeah, the baby Jesus prayer. Oh. And so the little drummer boy goes and plays his drum. For the baby Jesus. And voila. That's a little French for you, Dave. The lamb Bien-fait. is healed. No, and they wow. live happily no. ever after. <laughs> yes. The end.
0: So the baby Jesus healed the lamb. We assume yes. so
2: because the lamb was all of a sudden suddenly healed. Because
0: he played his drum for he him. He played
2: his drum for him. That's right. So and Jesus healed the lamb.
0: <gasps> but Jesus is kind the of the lamb, lamb, lamb who heals oh, the yeah. lamb.
1: Ooh, right. Ooh. Right.
2: Huh, yeah. So, I think
1: about Paul, that. I was wondering if maybe you and I just have selective memories and if, like stored this away somewhere because maybe it scarred us as kids. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe (laughs) I, I, and you know, I was texting my two younger sisters today and I said, what Christmas specials did we watch? And they both said, Oh, the little drummer boy, both of them texted that back to me. And even back then I said, I don't remember watching the little drummer boy. So maybe I did block this movie out (laughs) because obviously we must've watched it. If both my sisters collaborated that we did.
2: And Craig, what year was it again? Uh, this was 19. Where did I go? 68. 68. Aired, Aired okay. December, 19, six, December 19, 1968. Uh, it was followed up by a sequel in 1976. Oh. Um, entitled The Little Drummer Boy Book Two. And I do not recall That's re- anything about that. Really one
0: creative, at
2: all. <laughs> right? Book too. Uh, Rankin Bass pu- has put out a lot of these movies into the 2000s, actually. And uh, what do you think, Dave and Paula? The top 12 Rankin Bass uh, Christmas specials, or every Rankin Bass Christmas special? I've got two articles here.
1: How about the top 12? I don't even think I can count past five. Okay.
2: But- so, Rotten Tomatoes, which is, in my opinion... Wait, should
0: we try to guess what they are?
2: Stuff... W- no, because you're going to have me bouncing up and down trying yeah, to find Yeah, right. It. So, this is how they rank, rank them on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm going to scroll down to the bottom. Uh, so, at the bottom, they have the story of the first Christmas snow, 1975 no idea. Looks nope. like looks Do like nothing. that one's pure cartoon animation. Okay. Uh, Little Drummer Boy book 2 1976. Nope. Uh, the First Easter Rabbit. What's that doing in with Christmas specials? Oh well. 1982. Santa Baby cartoon by Rankin <laughs> Bass 2003. Okay. Uh no idea. Patty LaBelle's in this. Gregory Hines and Vanessa Williams. Hmm. So, might have some good singing, yeah, some good music in there. Yeah, Pinocchio's Christmas, 1980. Um, I'm looking at uh, no real names that I recognize there. A Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, <laughs> 1981. That
0: sounds no like clue. a mess. Art Carney, oh, okay.
2: Art Carney's in that honeymooners. That's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, let's see here. Frosty's Winter Wonderland, 1976. And this has Andy Griffith, Shelley Winters, Jackie Vernon, and Dennis Day. I wonder if Dennis is related to Doris. That's 1976. Uh, Cricket on Earth. uh, On Hearth, rather. I'm sorry. We started watching this one on YouTube. 1967, Roddy McDowell, Danny Thomas, Marlo Thomas. Uh, Good cast. We got through about five minutes and yawned and said, that's enough. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So now we're getting into the numbered ones. Number 12, Rudolph and Frosty, Christmas in July, 1979. Oh, I just talked about that. Mickey Rooney. Uh, Paul Frees is in most of these, it seems. Um, so there's that. Jack Frost, 1979. I remember that one, even though I was in high school. <laughs> Buddy Hackett is, is uh, in that. Uh, Jack Frost, 1979. They get uh, 58, 57 on the tomato meter. Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey. I remember that. <laughs> no clue. Oh, really? really? You know yes. that one? I know that <laughs> one. I don't think I know that one either. Yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah, I'm not recognizing any of these. Maybe you know some of these. Roger Miller, Brenda Vaccaro. Yes, Brenda uh, Vaccaro. She's a star. Don Messick, Paul Freese. Um, Let's see here. Rudolph's Shiny New Year, 1976. Red Skelton. Oh, that's got to be fun. That gets a 50 It's a good one. Dessert. I liked that one. Number eight, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, 1985. This gets 63 on the tomato meter. Um, nope, no real names that I recognize. Number and, seven. I'm going to guess
1: that, that a lot of these we don't know or just don't have a memory of is because we we were getting into adulthood at this point. Right, so. old. Yeah. We weren't watch. We were going back and watching the ones we knew. We weren't watching the newer ones, probably. Nineteen eighty
2: five. I was off playing my rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, your rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Number seven. Twas the night before Christmas, nineteen seventy four. I think I might remember that vaguely. Uh, number six. Little drummer boy. I talked about that one just now. Jose Ferrer. Um, Number five, Frosty the Snowman, 1969, a classic. Jimmy Durante, oh, yeah. uh, June Foray. Uh, let's see here. Number four, The Year Without Santa Claus, 1974. That one's kind of a classic, too. I was going to do this one, but I thought 1974, that's a little late for mid-century. So, But I, that was I, one I of my off. favorites. But it is a good one, yeah. Uh, Shirley Booth, Mickey Rooney, Dick oh. Shawn. Uh, George Irving,
0: Mickey Rooney, did a few of these.
2: Number three, Santa Claus is coming to town. Paula loves that one. 1970, that's a little later than I thought. Uh, Fred Astaire, Mickey Rooney, Keenan, Keenan Wynn, and Joan Gardner. In that one, the tomato meter gives it a 93 high rating indeed. Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer comes in number two, 1964. Paula just told you all about that one. Burl Ives. A uh, wonderful cast on that. And finally, the number one, according to Rotten Tomatoes, at 100% on the tomato meter, The Stingiest Man in Town, 1978,
0: no clue. That's a little old. No, no clue. That's
2: a little old for uh, that. Clearly an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. But I it, this is also a cartoon, not stop-motion animation or anything like that. Uh, I'm going to have to look it up. Uh, Mm -hmm. since it's so highly rated, we're going to have to give it a viewing. So anyway, Rankin Bass did a lot of these and the list goes on and on. And we talked about One for Halloween, and there's, uh, I think there's some for Easter, and yeah, the Easter Bunny is coming to town. So check out all the Rink and Bass specials, and it's a great blast from the past. Oh
0: yeah, and I was going to mention if you ever have a chance to watch uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, the scene where Mrs. Claus when she's young and like she takes her hair out of the bun and she's singing this song (laughs) is so seventies rific. They (laughs) they put everything into a real animation, very floaty. If you want to a classic 70s animation where mrs claus is singing her a young mrs claus is singing
1: take it away dave all right paula really quickly the one the the one thing i always remember about uh that particular one is the the fred astaire puppet had that super long chin (laughs) because it was fred astaire yeah, yes. and a little exaggerated. Anyway. For yeah, and my year. Santa yeah.
0: does look like for lives <laughs> too. They well, really nice. did a good job of,
1: <laughs> yes. Hey, you two, how about some music to set the mood? Uh, yes, the amazing Vince Caraldi trio playing Linus and Lucy from the 1965 CBS special uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. And Craig, I know you just went through a long list of, you know, ranked Rankin Bass <laughs> specials, but um this would probably be number one on my list. This is my favorite every year. I love watching this one. Um, And you, you know, you guys, we haven't really talked about commercials associated that we remember associated with these uh, TV specials. So Hmm. the one I remember with, a Charlie Brown Christmas was, um, it was sponsored like in my childhood in the 70s by Dolly Madison Snack Cakes. Do you guys remember yes, that?
2: Yes, yes,
1: yeah. They, they yeah. were
0: on the snack cakes, weren't they?
1: Yeah. Oh, could I be. They were. Yeah. yeah. And then Paula for Rudolph. I always remember the animated Norelco shaver.
0: Yes. Remember
1: with Santa sitting on it going, going through over the, the snow. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, And then number two, Paula, for me, would be Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I love what still as a grown-up, love watching those two uh, every Christmas. But getting back to a Charlie Brown Christmas, it was first broadcast on December 9th, 1965. And I did not know this until I, you know, um, did some research to talk about this today. The special preempted... A very un-Christmas-like TV show. Do you, do you guys want to venture a guest? It was the 7.30 time slot. The cramp special.
2: I got got no
1: clue. (laughs) (laughs) They preempted an episode of The Monsters.
2: Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right? Anyway, so the special was commissioned uh, and sponsored by Coca-Cola and was written over a period of several, several weeks and produced on a small budget in just six months. So everything I was reading about the Charlie Brown Christmas special is that it was that you know coke demanded that they or you know strongly requested that they have it ready so this was spring of 65 and they requested that they have it all done by mid-december so that they could air it so everything about the special was rushed into production so um so yeah yeah it was produced um in just over six months Originally, no one had faith in the project. It was predicted to be a disaster due to to the fact that it had child actors performing the lines. Mm. That was the first time they'd ever done that with a cartoon. Usually it's adult voiceover actors impersonating children. Pardon me. Um, It. It had a jazz score as its soundtrack, which had never been done before for an animated special and no laugh track. So supposedly all the 60s era and pardon me, animated specials had um, had laugh tracks. But this one did not. Um, Charles Schultz said they should get the humor of the writing and the visuals. They shouldn't need a laugh track to know when something is funny. So, it had no laugh track. There there really plus, is
2: there there's kind of a dryness to all there, of the Charlie is. Brown specials. Yeah. And and that's what it is, I think.
1: Well, and the and the pacing was a concern too because, you know, it it's not super action packed. So yeah. <laughs> there was that concern as well. And then plus it referenced religion and the network suits were worried about that. The producers were worried about it, but um Charles Schultz was pretty adamant that it, it contained that reference to, uh, to the birth of Christ, which, which I'll talk about momentarily. So if you haven't been around your TV for the past 54 years to see a Charlie Brown Christmas, <laughs> here's a quick rundown of, of the, of the plot. The special is centered on the character of Charlie Brown the creation of cartoonist Charles Schultz way back in 1950 along with a cast of other colorful characters known as collectively the Peanuts Charlie Brown confides in his best friend Linus that despite the approach of the joyous Christmas season he just feels depressed of course so at the urging of Lucy Linus's sister and would be psychiatrist (laughs) and bully (laughs) Uh, suggests that he gets involvement and he takes on the role of the school's Christmas play. Of course, this only leads to more angst for Charlie Brown as he is mocked and ridiculed for his lack of directing skills. Now, I think it's interesting that my two favorite Christmas specials make so much fun of and ridicule the main characters. I mean, poor Rudolph he's made <laughs> fun of because of an, you know, a physical abnormality. And then, you know, poor Charlie Brown, he's just made fun of all of his so-called friends. But anyway, um, so, uh, but eventually Linus uh, saves the day by answering an exasperated Charlie Brown's query about, No one knowing what Christmas is all about. But Linus recites Luke 2, verses 8 through 14, center stage in the school's auditorium, explaining that it is all about the birth of Jesus as told by angels to a group of shepherds. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their
2: flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them,
1: "Fear not, for behold, I in the end, everyone realizes that they were too hard on Charlie Brown, and they follow him home, where they give a loving makeover to a forlorn little tree." <laughs> that he had found at a tree lot. It concludes with the, with the gang, even Snoopy singing, hark the herald angels sing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, do you, do you guys, is this high on your list as well? Do you guys? It is. As well? Oh, yes. It is. I, w- yeah. when
2: I was in St. Louis, I had a Charlie Brown Christmas tree in my office. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. We have one as well. I should say my cubicle. Yeah. The, right. The cute yeah. farm. And somebody, <laughs> and it,
1: and it has the one red ornament, glass ornament yes, hanging off of right, it,
2: right? Right. Yeah. I almost put it in the radio studio, but I, I decided someone to walk off with it. So I did.
0: And I, I remember <laughs> reading that when Linus reads the, the Luke passage, when he says, Fear not, he drops his uh, security blanket. I found that was very, Ooh. I found that so fascinating. Yeah. because yeah. when he, I right just when rewatched
1: he, it earlier, but I'll have to pay closer attention. Yeah,
0: right when he says that line, I never he drops his security blanket and finishes out. the rest of the passage. I, I just cool. found that was kind of a cute touch. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and of course, you know, we cannot talk about this special without mentioning uh, the music, which in my opinion is, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's a big reason for the show's success. It, yeah. it is a mix of traditional Christmas music and jazz. And for me, it is very evocative reminding me of just how mes- mesmerized I was by everything Christmas related when I was little. I mean, I was just, yeah. And so sitting in front of the TV and watching the show with this cool jazz soundtrack, I don't know. It was just mas- magical. Vin- Vince Garaldi was chosen to write and arrange the score because the producer of the special, Lee Mendelson, was a big fan of Guaraldi's hit, Cast Your Fate to the Wind. and lucy track was actually reused from a previous unaired peanut special and then two new original tracks were created skating and christmas time is here Interestingly, they had trouble finding an available lyricist for Christmas Time Is Here. Um, remember, the whole production was rushed, so it would be ready for December of 65. So producer Mendelssohn wrote the lyrics in about 15 minutes on the back of an envelope.
2: Me- Mel Torme does a wonderful rendition of oh, that. Does he really? Oh, he does? Yes. Yeah it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Once again, Maybe we can... another Jewish guy singing Christmas music. Yeah. <laughs> the best. It's the best.
1: <laughs> Maybe we should put that as the tag for the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar with his version. That's awesome. Um, so in spite of all the challenges of the production, a Charlie Brown Christmas special went on to win an Emmy, a Peabody award. Wow! Yeah. And became a beloved annual presentation in the Mm U S airing on broadcast television every, uh, holiday season for the past 54 years. Um, for most of those years, I think it was CBS and then ABC picked it up, I think in 2000, and then I don't know if you guys know, it's this year, it will not be playing on regular broadcast television because Apple TV now yes. has. The rights to it so if you don't subscribe to apple tv you won't be able to see a charlie brown christmas this that's, year
2: sorry that's i think that's we have just the d- painful i, kind of I think of, I mean, we have it the is DVD, but well and and we also do have apple tv but it's painful that it's not just available for
0: for all children over the
2: air network yeah for the, yeah because yeah.
0: yeah, the children aren't probably gonna maybe have well, that you never
2: don't know, know but still but it's, it's paula probably like set. you
1: say um everybody will just get a copy of the dvd then so i hope so yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then um, to wrap up my segment, the soundtrack sold 4 million copies in the U.S. and was voted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2007.
2: Vince Giraldi's music is oh amazing, and just across it the board. I mean, not just the Peanuts stuff, but as a musician, truly, truly a star. Uh, amazing. You know, I didn't mention that uh, in Little Drummer Boy, the soundtrack was also done by the Vienna Boys Choir are a couple oh, of wow. pieces done by the Vienna Vienna's boy, Boys Choir. Why can't I say that? Vienna Boys Choir. Uh, and uh, that that's pretty spectacular also. It, it's different oh, than Vince Giraldi, but it's still. It's a beautiful <laughs> song. <is> something amazing. <laughs> it really
1: is. A little more traditional. Yeah.
2: So I guess that pretty much wraps up what we have to talk about for today. Thanks for joining us on the Mid-Modcast. Stay swell, my friends. See you next we'll time. And we'll see you next time.
1: Happy holidays, everybody.
0: Yes. Christmas time